0: RWJ Barnabas Health Telemed offers you two convenient ways to see a doctor anytime, anywhere, without having to come in for an appointment. If you're in need of urgent care, you can use our app to connect with a provider 24-7, right on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. Or you can use our website to schedule a virtual visit with an RWJ Barnabas Health Medical Group provider or specialist and you can even register as a new patient. Book an appointment online at rwjbh.org/telemed. Your safety has always been our top priority, and we've taken every precaution. So don't delay your care any longer. Get started today at rwjbh.org/telemed. RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together.
1: Well, hello again, everyone. I'm Matt Lachlan, alongside Catherine Bogard. Welcome to the new edition of Speak of the Devils, presented by our good friends at RWJ Barnabas Health, the official healthcare provider of the New Jersey Devils. Catherine, so good to have you as part of this podcast. Every time that we do a podcast, I learn something new, but this has to be pretty exciting for you because we're going to speak with a good friend, colleague, and new member of the New Jersey Devils.
2: Yes, Matt, thank you so much. So excited to be here with you once again. These are always so much fun to be a part of. I'm so excited that our guest today is someone that I've known my entire professional career, Megan Duggan, the former captain of the U.S. Women's National Team, and now the newest manager of player development for the New Jersey Devils. Megan's career speaks for itself. We've gone over it, and we'll touch on it at the start of this interview, but... This is a woman who has really excelled at the sport of hockey at all different levels, whether college, professional, international. But to cap that all off, she is one of the most humble and self-observant and truly focused people I've ever met. And we're going to dive into a lot of how she changed the way she was as a player from one very significant loss to make sure she redeemed herself four years later.
1: Well, it's time for a deep dive with... Not only one of the greatest women players, but at the very top of that pyramid of great women's players. Her resume, as you mentioned, Catherine, is sublime. Let's welcome Megan Duggan to the podcast.
2: Megan, we could spend all day going through a list of accomplishments that you achieved during your career, not only with Wisconsin as the Patty Kazmaier Award recipient, going all the way to your pro career, not only with USA Hockey, but also in the CWHL and the NWHL. But instead of diving into that, let's start with what was your favorite and most proud moment from your extensive hockey career?
3: Oh, wow. Lots lots of moments that that stick out, obviously, off the top. Um, First of all, thanks for having me. Great to see you guys. Um, And uh, really excited to be joining the Devils family. Um, a lot of moments that stick out, I think, you know, on ice moments, off ice moments. Um, and it's actually been fun since I retired uh, six months ago to, to reflect on, on so many of those moments. Um, definitely, I mean, the 2018 gold medal, like that is, that just, that stands out for a variety of reasons. I think the culmination of, um, you know, now my career, the last game I played, um, with team USA in and just we had been through a long road as a group and when I think about that moment winning together having our families on the ice the celebration the intensity and stress of that game um it was just kind of it was that that moment you dream about when you're a kid uh playing street hockey in the driveway you know and really special uh for our team and and for you know our families my family in particular having been on the journey with me um and then a lot of off-ice moments as well. You know, our gender equity fight with USA hockey was a big one that sticks out. Um, you mentioned what you're so proud of, I think. Uh just just eternally proud of our team for uh for the unity and, and the confidence um to to do that and just to, to see it through and make change in our sport.
2: In addition to all those memorable on-ice moments, you did mention that. You know, you had been through so much as Team USA going into that final Olympics and something that we see with the Devils right now is they're a developing team and they're a team that really wants to make sure that they're winning for the long term and not just a short term stint. So how do you plan on taking that experience that you have with Team USA and bringing it to your role as manager of player development for the Devils?
3: Yeah, I'm so. I mean, I'm so excited to dive in um, with this team and this organization, and um, you know, all the players and staff and, and everyone involved. Um, I think what what excites me so much about the role is that you know what's on the horizon for this young team. It's so exciting to be a part of something like that, um, and to you know to help it help it continue to grow. Um, in my career, certainly there were a lot of periods of kind of transformation and rebranding and, and rediscovery. Um, you know, we did that after losing a heartbreaker in overtime in 2014, coming home, um, you know, coming up short of our ultimate goal of a gold medal. And it took a lot of um, took a lot of uh, really self-reflection and self-assessment of ourselves as individuals, of um, ourselves as a team, as a group, where we wanted to go and asking ourselves a lot of the hard questions. You know, we mantra that we lived by was you can't say the same and expect a different result. So how did we have to um, you know, change in, in all of those 1% areas and close performance gap in a variety of areas, both individually and a team over those four years. Um, and so I learned, lear- definitely learned a lot about myself as a player and a person throughout that process um, and hope I can carry some of that with me in this next venture.
1: What were some of those things that made a difference in 2018?
3: Well, it started um, it really, like I said, it started the moment we lost that game in Sochi um, and that that self-reflection. I know I personally, um, I took off for a little bit. I went over to Europe and to kind of get away from everything, a little vacation. And I spent some time looking myself in the mirror, you know, what are you made of? Um, how are you going to lead this team better next time? Um, why do you want this? Why is it so important to you? And, and, and through answering all those questions, um, I was able to make changes personally in my game and my leadership and um, you know, and have that hopefully trickle down throughout the team. So we, I mean, we changed the way we played, we changed the way we mentally prepared, we changed the way we trained, um, you know, both on and off the ice, we changed the way we, we saw the game and thought the game, we changed our relationships and how we interacted with each other. And, um, like I said, you know, there was a bunch of us that had been kind of through the grind, um, through two Olympics, there was the program had been through multiple Olympics and kept coming up short. So, it was really our moment in those four years between 2014 and 2018 to say, "Enough is enough." You know, we need to make some major changes and transformations here, and um, the way we always did it just doesn't work anymore. Um, so let's come together and um, and get over some of these hurdles and and move this this train
1: forward. So I'm curious, what? was it like moments before the gold medal game when you had made all these changes, the transformation was there, but there's your arch rival that you're lining up against and they had won the last two. And now you've got a one more hurdle to climb. Just wondering what it was like in the, in the dressing room before that game.
3: Yeah, honestly, um, this is my favorite question to answer because it, it fills me with so much pride because the work and the preparation that we had put in, in those four years leading up to that game preparing for that moment, like specifically, um, it was, it was cool, calm, and collected. The confidence in the team was, was unbelievable. I'd never been a part of something like that. Um, I can vividly remember looking around the locker room and just seeing my teammates, you know, that, that normally listened to music or played soccer or spike ball or, or goofed around, or, you know, were getting treatment. They were just doing those things. It had become, um, you know, we were so confident in our preparation that um, it just, you know, we, we trusted it. And, and really, I felt that as a leader, people always say, oh my gosh, okay, in between third period and overtime, you guys go back into the locker room, you find yourself, here we are again, was it stressful or what? was there a big locker room speech? And there wasn't, there didn't need to be. Um, it was, we trusted our preparation, we trusted everything we had done to get to that point. Um, And that was the end goal in those four years, put ourselves in a position to win a gold medal and be prepared and confident and calm once, once we got there. So it was, it was really cool. And it's great to reflect on that time
2: period. You were the captain of the 2014 Olympic team, and then you were the victorious captain of the 2018 team. What's the lessons of leadership that you learned in that four year span that really stuck with you to this day?
3: So many lessons, so many highs and lows. Um, My leadership was, was challenged in those four years. It transformed. Um, I learned a lot again about myself and how to lead teams. Um, I think, you know, after 2014, I took it incredibly personal. Uh, I was a young captain on that team and I just felt like, I couldn't lead my team to what we deserved and what we had worked so hard for. And I I beat myself up over it pretty bad. So getting over that hurdle um, was, was definitely a transition period for me. But um, I think just, you know, a lot of the, the relationship building part, you know, the, um, the trust, the towing on the line of, okay, how do we, how do we get more out of each other? How do I get more out of my teammates all the while recognizing um, everyone goes about things differently. Um, And so it was a general understanding of we all have this end goal,, uh, but each one of us plays a unique piece in that puzzle. And as a leader, I need to embrace that and accept that. and um, you know, can't push people so hard that you lose them. Um, you know, and so you have to find that that fine line of um, of working with each individual one of your teammates and bringing out the best of people. So, like I said, it was it was not easy. It was a challenge., uh, there were times where I was not great at it. Uh, there were times that it was it was certainly difficult, but, but that's where you grow. That's where you learn. And I think, um, you know, I remember being at the Olympics um, prior to the games and they were asking us, oh, you guys have faced this adversity. You've done this, you've done that. You know, you've had coaching changes, whatever it is. But um, I remember saying like, that's life. Like who who are any of us? Like who are we if we don't face um, adversity and, ch- and challenges? You know, that's That's how we grow and that's um, ultimately all those challenges and that adversity and going through that as a team was how we were able to be successful in 2018, for sure.
2: I mean, with the personal responsibility that you took with this team alone, no wonder you were the captain for so long for Team USA. And after such a long and successful career, like you said, you retired in October of 2020 and now you're the new manager of player development for the Devils. How did this job come about? So excited um, about the new role, obviously, as I mentioned, and
3: to join the Devils family. Um, what a what a great group! It just seems like uh, so far, and uh, really, the 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 opportunity came about pretty organically. Um, you know, through relationship building with some of the staff. You know, I had some uh, some great conversations with Tom Fitzgerald and Kate Madigan and um, and Dan McKinnon and. And really, we just started to get to know each other. Um, you know what was important to them, what was important to me, where I could add value and help their organization. And um, it, it, like I said, it just kind of came about organically. Uh, a lot of, a lot of different components of it excited me. I think they've, you know, they're incredible leaders. It's been fun to learn from them so far. You know, I'm two weeks in or a week and a half in, ten days. Um, so uh, I, I'm excited. It's, it's certainly a, a great opportunity. Um, you know, for me personally and for my family but I'm I'm looking to to get in and add value right away and and to to help this organization be where they want to be.
1: Obviously you you jump into the pool but you have to kind of learn the organization and all that sort of stuff. So I'm just wondering though what besides the obvious, you know, what what do you look to bring to the table? Your great background of course, but as you try to blend in but also bring your flavor if you know what I'm saying you know, what, what are you hoping to accomplish here? Like what yeah, different I mean, viewpoint might you have?
3: Yeah. Well, I think that's just it. I think, um, you know, I, I really, uh, admire and respect the devil's organization for appreciating, um, a, a different background, a different perspective, you know, they're, they're let's call spade a spade. There aren't a lot of women, um, in, in these roles throughout the league. And so for them to see value in that, um, and to understand like, okay, this girl's played at a high level. You know, she's coached at a high level. Maybe she can bring something to our team. So I, I completely, I, I respect that and I love it. And I think that that just helps build relationships right off the bat. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to getting in and, and, you know, obviously learning the team, learning the players, um, being able to uh, bring a new perspective or something that maybe um, I saw or I learned on the women's side that really hasn't infiltrated into the National Hockey League yet. Um, I think certainly I I just retired, um, you know, just fresh off of playing, being able to relate to such a young team um, and these young players that have so much so much to look forward to. And um, and then certainly, you know, as we just talked about adversity, I faced through my career, you know, different aspects of leadership I've learned. Um, I hope to be able to add value in in a variety of areas and really continue to raise my hand and and, and and do what the organization needs me to do.
1: And forgive me, because perhaps I didn't word the question properly, because if that resume that you have was handed on any GM's desk, but you were a man, full stop, no problem, This is a person that we want to have in our organization. That part is changing, obviously. And the devils are at the forefront of that. We have embraced diversity. We've opened our arms to different thoughts. And you mentioned Kate Madigan. She plays a key role in our organization. So I'm wondering if you've seen that change a little bit. Like, no, you're a hockey player. That's what you bring to the table.
3: Yep. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's that's what they saw in me right away, gender aside. And uh, I think that's, a that's you know, I, I've had this conversation a few times lately. I do look forward to the day where it's not a story, where, you know, a woman or, or an underrepresented group, a uh, person from an underrepresented group, it, it's not a story, it's just part of the fold. Um, but all of us would be remiss not to mention how important the representation is, right, for future generations. How important, you know, I see the Haley Wickenheisers, the Kendall Coins, Cami Granado, you know, those, those are huge moments. And I see moments like that prior to getting this job, and that inspires me. Um, and so, you know, honoring that, I guess, and, um, you know, it, that representation is, is so important and, um, and I, I'm excited to be a part of it. I'm thrilled that I'm joining a, an organization that values that and puts emphasis on that because that's really important to me.
2: Megan, a couple of years back, we talked heading into the second cycle going into the 2018 Olympics and I asked you what it would mean to you to be the gold medal winner that would inspire the next generation as the 1998 team inspired you. And you did that in 2018, you won that gold medal and you have inspired the next generation of women's players. But now you're in the NHL and now you're in the front office and now you're working directly with NHL players. How do you hope this opportunity you can inspire the next generation, especially not only of women, but also of men who want to be in the front office and really bring powerful, impactful change? Yeah, I'm still
3: pinching myself. I mean, it's uh, for both of those things. I think yeah, having an opportunity to win a gold medal and, and change the life of young kids is, I mean, I built my life around that dream. Um, meeting a, a player from the 98 team changed changed my life. It it put me on this new trajectory. It, it made me set a goal um, that I just recently achieved after, you know, 20 years of having that goal. But um, hockey, this, the sport, what it, you know, what that goal brought me, where it, um, took me in my life, who it introduced me to, uh, the mentorship I found, you know, I, I found my wife through hockey. We have our, our son. Through hockey. So I owe so much to the sport and I love it. Um, and when I retired, I, I knew I, I want to continue to make an impact in hockey, whatever that looks like. And it took me, you know, a little bit to, to rediscover what path I was going to take, but um, I, I, I want to be, whether as a player or whether in this new role, um, you know, I want to show anyone that wants to see that women can do this, right. Members of underrepresented groups. I represent a lot of different communities and, um, you know, to be able to, to show, um, Hey, we can do this. This is, this is the norm to give some people, someone to aspire to be, uh, that that's what I built my life around. I aspire to be Kenny Granado, Gretchen Julian, you know, Angela Ruggiero. And it changed my life. So in any capacity in my life, if I can give a, a young boy, a young girl um, someone or something to look up to, um, like that, that's a win. That's that's a win for
2: me. Um and and I'm I'm honored and and excited to to do it. Let's dive a little bit into the nitty gritty details of the job. I know you're only 10 days in. So if you can't answer this question as thoroughly as you normally would like to, that's okay, Megan. But what are some of the roles that you will have within this organization? What will your day to day be like?
3: Yeah, like you said, I mean, I'm, I'm still uh, drinking out of the fire hose right now, really trying to down, download a lot of information and understand the organization. And I was joking with someone about this the other day. Hockey is so nickname based, right? No one calls anyone by their first and last name. So, you know, when you're listening in on certain things and you're trying to figure out who are players and who are staff and who are they talking about? And now everyone has a nickname. So I'm in that phase right now, um, which is fun. But but no, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. Obviously, I'm going to work closely with um, with assistant general, Man- manager Dan McKinnon, really across a variety of of levels in the development department. I'm going to be focusing on both on ice and off ice information, um, you know, helping to really coordinate um, the variety of of groups that that are stakeholders in in player development. And um, I'm excited to, like I said, add value right away, but also learn and grow under some excellent leadership. Um, these guys are top-notch and, and everyone speaks so highly of them. So I feel honored and thrilled um, to be working with them.
1: What's your nickname?
3: <laughs> Someone asked me that. Dude, I, I don't have a fun one. Uh, Meg's usually is what people call me. Um, you know, I was, I was Doug's for a bit in my hockey career, but my, my older brother was always Doug's. So it, like, to me, he's Doug's, um, you know, so there was always a little confusion there, but. I will still call you. I'm mama now too in my house, you know?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I think I would love to, if you are okay with sharing this information with our listeners, if you could explain more on how you met your wife, because for those who don't know, it's it's quite a rivalry story.
3: Yeah, it definitely is. It's um, I, I always say, you know, if, if we can get over some of what we've gone through in, in our households, you know, in regards to who's winning what medal and what team everyone's cheering for both internationally and in the NHL. Uh, no, my wife is Jillian apps, um, you know, three-time Canadian Olympic gold medalist. Um, you know, Big time, you know, Toronto Maple Leaf family there. So a lot of rivalries there as well. And um, we, we've met through, you know, through sport, um, through playing uh, with and against each other um, throughout our careers. There's a lot of crossover between the Canadian and American women and pro leagues and NCAA. And um, and yeah, and we uh, we welcomed our, our son, George, into our family uh, last February before all the craziness uh, in the world happened. He was born on the leap day, actually, on the 29th, which was pretty cool.
1: Cam Ward, I think, was uh, is also a leap year baby, the uh, goalie, former uh, Carolina, yeah. yeah, Hurricane. So let ask they're... him when
3: he celebrates it. So we we had our first experience this time around. We we gave George both days, you know, the twenty eighth and March first. So lucky kid.
1: Why limit <laughs> celebrations, right? <laughs> life, life life is too precious. Enjoy. Yeah. Let's have two two celebrations. Why not? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you mentioned growing up playing, you know, roller hockey in, in the driveway and that type of deal. Uh, Massachusetts born, and obviously we know the path you took—Cushing uh, Academy, and then on to Wisconsin. But always hockey, all sports. How did the, the hockey part come about? Where that was full time? What you were pursuing?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm one of the biggest proponents of of multi sport. I, I played everything growing up. My family, my parents threw me into everything. I, I was joking with someone yesterday. You know, I remember, um, I remember being at the rink and rushing out the side door pulling off all my equipment in the car and my parents dropping me off on the soccer field 20 minutes later and um yeah but i i mean i played soccer i played lacrosse i played baseball terrible at basketball uh just never took to it even now i'm so competitive i hate playing like horse and in those games because i always lose um (laughs) but uh but yeah i mean i i loved it i did like cross country and track and middle school and those types of things so I was just an athlete. I just enjoyed it so much. It was my um, every season. I always wanted to be learning and playing a new sport. Now I, you know, I love to cycle. I play golf. Um, I play tennis. And so it's just kind of in, in my DNA, I guess um, I love it, but hockey really started to um, get to the, come to the forefront for me probably when I made the decision to go to Cushing Academy. Um, you know, it was a hockey, hockey focused school. Um, a lot of the NHL players uh, you know, have come out of there and, Um, and so on the, on the woman's side, it was, it was the same thing. I mean, I, it was the first time I was really introduced to elite level females. I had played with, with all boys. I didn't know it was kind of my next step in learning process. And okay, how do I get recruited to play division one? How do I take that next step to, to make the national team? So that's really when hockey started to come to the front to me, but even when I was at Cushing, you know, I still played four years on the varsity soccer team. I played, you know, four years of lacrosse and softball and all those things. So. Um, it it was really important to me
2: to, uh, to stay connected to variety of sports. And you talked about this slightly, but when you guys had lost in 2014, you guys assessed every part of the game, whether it was on ice performance, off ice performance, mental. So having that base of playing multiple different sports, how did that allow you to adapt and make sure that your training was always as proactive and as inclusive as it could be to make sure that you were a champion?
3: Yeah, that was the best thing about playing multiple sports. I think, you know, I remember I had a couple of heartbreaks, heartbreaks. I say I was like 16, but heartbreaks in, uh, you know, losing the New England prep school championship and at the end of hockey season and being devastated. And then it's like, Oh, three days later, I have to join the lacrosse team. And it's like full, we're now running five miles before practice. And so it was certainly, you know, that, that physical change, um, which was helpful to give, give your body that, that break and different use different muscles. But, but you're right. That, that mental component of, all right, I gotta, I gotta transition here. I have to change, you know, I need to be a leader on this lacrosse team. This, this, this is a different, this team has a different identity, a different culture. We're going after different things. So, um, definitely, I think when I look back at that and kind of those transitions and, and changing and transforming as an athlete, I think it definitely probably helped me, um, you know, as I got older in my hockey career in managing some of
2: those transitions and transformations. Hockey has been a huge part of your life for so many years. What's the biggest change you've seen in the sport from the start of your career, maybe at Cushing Academy all the way to now when you joined the Devils?
3: Oh, my God. I think it's the speed of the game. Like it is so you got like watching the playoffs right now. and I mean, obviously the playoffs is in the NHL, it's just next level. Like these guys are just they're on another planet. Um it's so fun to watch. but obviously, the speed of the game has evolved so much. Um I think the focus on, you know, different components, the mental component, certainly in my career changed a lot. Um, you know, I was, I was a different player in when I was 20 years old, going into my first Olympics, than I was at 31 going into my, my third Olympics, you know, how you see the game, also your body, right? Those young kids, they push you, they keep you on, on the edge of your, uh, edge of your seat. And um, so I think just, you know, tapping into different resources and things like that. Um, I think the players nowadays, you know, men, women, they're just, um, they're more focused. They want to grab at um, a variety of different details and resources in order to find all those those one percents.
1: Will we ever see? No, I'm going to backtrack. We will see. But when will we see a Women's United professional scene? Is that on the near horizon?
3: Well, that's there's a million, been so much competition a million dollar question, right? I know, now that. but that's it's a going to happen. Yeah, it it's happen. happen. It will happen. It will happen. It will happen. I think a lot of the players were hopeful that uh, the momentum from the 2018, you know, Olympics would have created something um, a little bit more, you know, sustainable and livable. And um, it, within this last quad uh, you know, COVID, life, adversity, everything, right? And now it's, I think the girls are about three or four, at least on the US side, the the women are about three or four days away from Olympic tryouts and, you know, it's Olympics are what, 10, 10, nine months away. Um, So I think, you know, there's a lot of people working on it. There's a lot of people passionate about it. It will happen um, you know, we're, we're in our, you know, original six, we're in our our early days, right? We're trying to figure out how is this going to work, um, you know, long-term and, and sustainably. So it's going to happen. It's not going to happen tomorrow. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, there'll be a lot of the stakeholders and powers that be that have gained momentum in these last couple of years will really continue to, um, to, to push forward and, and, uh, capitalize on, you know, this upcoming Olympics and all the publicity and hype that brings around the women's game.
1: Is there one thing that has to happen to make it occur? Uh, what boundaries have to be eliminated? What bonds have to be broken? What, what do people, the leaders have to say, okay, I've got to be bigger than my little piece of the puzzle.
3: Yeah, I don't think there's one thing. I think it's a, a variety of different things. You know, the players um, the, the players that have been around for a long time and that, you know, kind of stepped aside to form the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association have a goal in mind um, and are going to keep pushing until that, that is created. You know, long-term sustainable business model, livable wage, health insurance, you know, like those types of things are, are huge components um, that the players are, are going to continue to push for. I think it's been great this year to see a variety of the NHL clubs, you know, really support, jump on board, partner, offer resources to infrastructure. Um, you know, the, the women just went to St. Louis a couple of weeks ago and they were treated like pros, you know, and, and we don't see that all the time, right? We're, we play professional hockey. i you, you said it at the beginning, I've played in professional hockey, but it's, it, it's not professional hockey. You're not treated like a, a professional, you know, back then. So the, so those are the type of things that the, the players are, are really pushing for and, um, you know, and, and deserving of. So I know we're going to get to that point. Um, you know, it's about the visibility, the resources, the money that, you know, you guys know, right. The marketing and it's, um, so it, it all has to come together. There's a lot of different components. Um, there's, there's some great groups working on it. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm going to continue to, to add and, and push to that wherever I can.
2: And you've had the experience of fighting for equality with so many different groups. We've talked about some of them with the U.S. women's team when you guys stood up to USA Hockey to have better pay and better treatment, especially around the world championships that year. But now that you're in an NHL organization, what change do you also want to bring within the ranks of an NHL organization and the NHL as a whole?
3: Yeah, I think, um, again, it's just the representation, right. And it's just, um, that, that's that Billie Jean King, see it, be it mentality, you know, more, um, hockey's evolving right now. You guys have probably seen it in this last year. Um, you know, just how the NHL or the teams respond to social justice. You know, I've been able to be a part of the NHL player inclusion committee and working on some of those initiatives. And it's, it's been incredible. Um, We've been working as a group to, you know, the ultimate goal is to make hockey a, a safe, inclusive, diverse place. Um, and notoriously, it hasn't been that. It's really targeted towards, you know, that that one specific kind of group, um, but it's, it's evolving now. And I'm excited to be a part of that. I'm excited to keep pushing. I'm excited in my new role to, you know, outwardly validate that um, and, and join the Devils, which is, uh, you know, as you said, Matt, is a, is a forward thinking progressive organization in that sense that values those things. And so they're gonna to continue to be leaders in that um and, and push the envelope on, on a lot of the other clubs.
2: And Megan, since it is COVID time, since it is a new job, I'm sure you haven't been down to New Jersey yet. When are you expecting to make your official first day as a devil's employee <laughs> in Newark? Yeah, not yet, not yet. I
3: have uh, been doing a lot, a lot of a lot of Zoom uh, connections and and you know, chatting with people over the phone, but um, hopefully get down there soon, excited, obviously to meet, um, you know, whenever I can uh, people safely in person and, and really get into the devil's fold that way.
2: Megan, we are so happy to have spent some time with you discussing your career, discussing what you want to bring to the devils. And we are so excited to continue to work with you moving forward. Congratulations once again, on the manager of player development, development role with the devils. Thanks guys.
3: Thanks for having me on. I look forward to, uh, hopefully connecting in person with, with both of you at some point as
0: well. Congrats on the new house, honey. What's this? Carbon monoxide detectors?
1: Yeah, put one on every level.
0: Because you can't see or smell carbon monoxide.
1: And when fuel-burning appliances aren't working right, CO can build up and be deadly. Guys,
0: I'm on it. We just want to know you're safe. At PSE&G, we're committed to your family's safety. Know how to prevent carbon monoxide poisoning. If your CO detector goes off, leave immediately. Then call 911. Protect the ones you love. Learn more at pseg.com slash gas safety.
1: That time just flew by, and what a delight it was to get to know Megan Duggan a little better. You know her very well. I've had her on as an intermission guest, but that's two and a half minutes while a game and activities are going on. Uh, It was so good to be able to sit down with her and really dig into what she's all about and what she will bring to the table.
2: Yeah, especially with her leadership. And she talked a lot about the personal accountability that she had after the 2014 Sochi Olympics. And I think that's something that these Devils players could really benefit from hearing from. She mentioned that she feels she can relate to this younger team, especially because she's fresh off of a playing career and She's one of the best in her time, and she's one of the forefront leaders of the women's hockey movement. So I think her ability to talk about losses and to talk about rebounding and to even talk to the leadership group with this Devils team and say, hey, I was a captain of a team that lost in an Olympic Games when we were up to two goals in the final minutes of the game. I mean... What better way to talk about resiliency than with someone who's overcome that and then four years later won Olympic gold. So I'm really excited to see what Megan brings, not only with the skills and the on ice side, but especially with the mental side of the game and the leadership side. Because I think that's something that will help Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer and all these other young players who we expect to be the leaders of this franchise for years to come to really grow into the leadership roles that we would love to see them in.
1: And those players want to know, what are you bringing to the table to help me? And what Megan Duggan is bringing is, well, let's see, I've got a gold medal. I've got two <laughs> silvers, world championships, great college player. Like, that's it. So it, it's it, what I love about it, and I, I fumbled over the question, and, and I apologize to her because I should be better than that, but it's about hockey. Who are you as a hockey person? What can you do to help me? And I know everyone's excited to what we've added, who we've added to the organization because it doesn't get any better.
2: No, Megan is one of the forefront leaders on the US side. She's married to one of the forefront leaders on the Canadian side. I mean, she comes in with so much experience. And I can't get over this. And I've known this since the first day I met her. Megan is one of the most kind, understanding, patient people out there. And that's something that every organization can benefit from. And I'm so excited to be working with her once again. She was one of the first athletes I ever worked with at USA Hockey, which was my first job right out of college, press face, you know, 22-year-old. So I'm really excited that Megan's coming into this organization and will bring the same leadership and passion And honestly, insane hockey knowledge. We are so lucky to have her compared to every other NHL team because the hockey knowledge that she has is an elite level throughout the game, men's and women's side.
1: No doubt about it. So we've come full circle as you are reunited with Megan Duggan, but under the devil's umbrella as opposed to USA Hockey. Catherine, so good to spend time with you and enjoy the rest of your day and the week that lies ahead.
2: Thanks. You too, Matt. Great spending time with you and Megan today.
1: And that'll wrap things up on this edition of Speak of the Devils presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. For all our listeners, thanks very much for your time. We appreciate your company. Until the next time, be safe, be well. So long.